completely normal that's the benefit of having one in the chamber yeah we 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 don't have one in the chamber anymore we had five in the chamber (laughs) um we didn't release our first episode until we had five done which uh was was, ambitious well i i I think we did the right thing i think because i was just like yeah yeah we've talked about this before and but now the inevitable thing happened where Nat and I have been lazy enough and skipped enough <laughs> weeks that we've caught up through our backlog, and so now we actually have yeah. to uh, we actually have to start you know not skipping. And I will I will bring up an addendum because I forgot to mention that last week during the Me Without You episode, which I edited, mm-hmm. you know, a few days ago. Uh, I forgot to bring up that he uh, Aaron Weiss recorded a voicemail greeting for me at one point. That's I just good like follow up. How did I you just, leave that out? Of the, it was like a three <laughs> hour episode. How did you leave that know. out? Um, I just handed him my phone one day at a show and asked him to record my, my voicemail greeting. And he just ranted for a bit about how nobody needs a cell phone. That, tr- that song brand. <laughs> it was very on much brand. on brand. It was very on brand, but how, uh, so the people at home are, look, we've discussed our, our, our podcast is long. It is what it is, which is not, we are not a a 15 minute show. Um, how, but you do edit (laughs) how much, (laughs) what was was the raw versus what you ended up with? Do you remember? I don't remember. I don't usually keep track. Um, it wasn't the most I've ever cut out though, because there was one where I, I we, feel like cut out me talking was, about Aaron Rodgers, which <laughs> no, that was the right move. That was the, the right power. move. Um, but no, so there is one episode that I it was probably 35, 40 minutes that I cut out, and some of that was like we took a break in the middle of it. But, I'm proud of you, proud of you. <laughs> but then I was like, I don't need to talk about my trip to Sweetwater for ten minutes. <laughs> I don't we, need to. <laughs> we the well, we episode. ended last because. Because Lauren, or the Me Without You episode, Lauren was out of town, and she texted yeah. me later and was like, so how long do you guys go? And I was like, we just wrapped up, and it was like 8.45 my time, so <laughs> yeah. it was almost midnight your time. And yeah. she's like, how did you guys talk for like three hours? And I was like, we, how did we not? It was easy. I um, told the story that you were supposed to tell. Yeah, we we did. You told the story that, that she said she was going to tell, but oh no, she wasn't out of town. She was at a, a she was a, a jawbreaker. Jawbreaker. Uh, yeah. Anyways, well, uh, yeah, it's been a while. Yes. Uh, also, um, yeah. Had Never got mind. Kidney, kidney stones. Oh yeah, that's why that we you had fun. a good you had a good excuse to not record last time. So, <sighs> kidney stones. Like. My entire knowledge of kidney stones is just people talk like the same, like with pregnancy. It's just like, yeah. it's so bad. Oh my God. Uh, obviously, right? It sounds painful if you know what, if you don't know what it is, pop it into Google. Uh, but yeah. yeah, like, oh, it's painful. Well, sure. I was very underwhelmed at how painful it was. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that to be like a tough guy. I was just like, well, that hurt, but like, have you gotten a tattoo? Have you, yeah. you know, have you, uh, you know, there's a million things that have hurt 
worse. I just think it's more the idea of it. Um, but yeah, so I, I, yes, uh, I went I, in. It is, yes, that and, is not uh, something I like to think about doing to my body. So I, I am, <laughs> um, a, I'm a square and I don't, I don't do drugs. I don't like drugs. Um, and I, I've never re- like, even to the point where when I have a headache, I'm like, well, I don't want to turn off the, cause aspirin is just going to tell your pain receptors to stop. And I'm like, well, but these pain receptors are going off for a reason. <laughs> and so I went to the hospital, the ER on a Saturday morning, which is a fun, fun journey. Uh, I deteriorated very quickly. Like I went from, I feel kind of funny too. I need to be in the ER right now within about yeah. 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Um, so my wife, Lauren drove me and then we, we get in and, uh, you know, I was trying to be a tough guy, not, not complain, but like, no, that, so that part was just <laughs> yeah. wildly, I don't want to say it hurt. It was uncomfortable. I don't want to get graphic for the podcast, but they gave you like the good stuff. Like they basically oh, give you like man. heroin or whatever. The, and yeah. the clean stuff, the guy, he the gives clean, it, the he Walter gives White heroin. And he comes back and he goes, how you feeling? And I go, can I have some of this to take home? And he, goes, <laughs> and he was like, you wouldn't be the first to try. And I was and like, he kind of looked at me so like with this serious, like, Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding? And I was like, Oh no, no, no. But I was like, do it. So then me and the doctor talking and I was like, this is the most relaxed I have ever felt in my life. I completely get it. And yeah. I should not continue to, to use, I should not use these outside of, of pain. Um, you know, Right. relief. Uh, but yeah, I apparently got loopy and, uh, my wife said I was really funny. Uh, I, our, my nurse was named Monica and I asked if they had a Mambo number five shift where all the nurses <laughs> were named after one of, <laughs> one of the women in Lupega's, which I thought was like a mild, like stupid throwaway and my wife thought that was the funniest stupidest thing i had ever said and then i also asked if they had a library there which she also thought was stupid and i was like well we don't get so you don't get cell reception and i was like and people lay here and they're bored i'm currently bored can i get a book and the guy goes we have car magazines and i was like sure so I read about the, the new Porsche 911 for about a half hour before they discharged me. And all that to say, uh, after the first couple of bit, I'm feeling feeling fine. Just okay. still still waiting it out, still That's whatever, right. but I'm feeling fine. Well, uh, canceling our podcast recording time for last time gave me an opportunity to just spend way more time in Elden Ring. Which is wise. Uh, which... Yeah, there's a whole lot in that game. So this is I, your first from software game. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, from software, famously the Dark Souls uh get good mm-hmm. series. Um it's not hitting me quite like people have like expressed about like Dark Souls and stuff, where it's like, oh, it's just like the hardest game, which like yeah, of course, like combat the bosses are hard and stuff like that, but it's also like I have played a whole lot of like Breath of the Wild and uh, Skyrim. And like if you played Breath of the Wild on Master Mode, yeah, you know, and yeah, and so I feel like Skyrim also like Skyrim's combat. People don't talk about this. Skyrim's combat 
is terrible. It is, oh, it is. Ter- I, so I never experience the terribleness awful. because I always play as like a sneaky archer. Sure. And then you get yeah. you get sneak to 100 and then I just snipe everybody from the dark. And so I finally played a melee character, like a dude wielding a battle axe. And I was like, this right. is miserable. That is every character that I play in any game is just give me like a huge sword. I will not block. I will not dodge. I will just max the stats. <laughs> and that, that's, so how play, that's how I play. That's how I play fighting games. Yeah, Skyrim's melee you can you can't lock on. Yeah, you're just like slashing it in right. front and of it's you. Like, how am I? Is, I have a shield. What am I supposed to do with this? I can't lock on so, to another. But so, but Elden Ring is like okay. It's it feels like Skyrim, but I can. I have pretty sophisticated controls. Which is handy. Yeah. So for if you're listening and you're like, what is from software? What is Dark Souls? What is Elden Ring? It is a famous, uh, it, or I, I would just say infamous, infamous from software basically made a few games. They were kind of almost bankrupt in 2011. Uh, they were making a game and director Miyazaki uh, stepped in and pushed, uh, like, vi- like had this queer sort of vision for what a game called Demon Souls was going to be. And the game sold okay, but it was basically one of those games that a lot of people were like, oh, this sucks, and it got terrible reviews. And then it developed this kind of online cult fandom of, hey, if you actually like read all the item descriptions, or you do this, or you do that, or if you actually, it, the famous frame get good, um, it's an incredible game. And then that company went on to make Dark Souls, which, and so they've made three Dark Souls games, a game called Bloodborne, which is a kind of a twist yeah. on that, which is my personal favorite game of all time. Sekiro, which is a Souls-like, as they say, but uh, uh, you're a uh, shinobi. And now Elden Ring, which is basically Dark Souls, but open world, like Breath of the Wild. And, and it is very, very popular. <laughs> with George, uh, with George R.R. R. Martin yes. building, doing all the world building for them, which is really interesting. Um, I am like, struggling to see his influence in it. I really am, other than that there's dragons, be, but there's always been dragons in Dark Souls, so I'm right, like... Right, 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 It just I, feels like a regular Dark Souls game to me. No, some of like the clans that they have in there seem a, pretty Martin-y. Hmm. Like the Rot up in the north. Like mm-hmm. that feels like that feels like a pretty heavy George Martin. I can see that. So I... And, I'm what? I'm 96 hours in. I'm a completionist. But again, I'm a super fan of these Good games. Luck. Like this is easily the yeah. number one game I've been looking forward to. And it uh very funny a a, a a very good game. Very good game. Horizon um Zero Dawn came out the week before Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And they are both gigantic open world games that are very good. Uh Horizon Zero Dawn is much more narrative driven, but the combat is like actually way better than Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Most people played it, they liked it, but like it was completely kind of crushed and overshadowed by this bigger game. And this sure. happened again to its sequel, Horizon Zero Dawn, where Elden Ring came out one week later. <laughs> I tried to power through like Horizon Forbidden West within like yeah. a week. And I just I can't binge. And so I'm like 20 hours into it and I just put it down. I was like, there's no way I'm gonna be able to keep playing this while all my friends are playing Elden Ring, and so I just kind of put it on pause. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um 
Yeah, yeah. So I've been playing the heck out of it. I love it, but yeah, it's uh, well, I'm near the end at like 95 hours, I think. Yeah, well, I'm, I I might be around. Game. I might be around 95 hours in, but I also just beat the first dungeon because I've just been like grinding through levels, <laughs> which I haven't done too much of because I'm only at like 37, but. I've been, yeah, you can but always the thing, there's a room brute force fun. these games right. by but just there's a There's a spot that's, they're like, ah, yes, this is where you get, where you can really grind through. This is where you can really farm. I'm ashamed and of you. I'm ashamed. I, I was heading, I was trying to get there, but everything's like, well, you got to beat Godric the Grafted first. I'm like, well, I guess I got to do the story a little bit. And now I'm. My friend. Really uh, what I did yesterday was I just like went and explored the map. I just like was yeah. going everywhere. It's, so I it's just a wild, like it's a wild fully unlock them. The other thing too is to not be a little if you're if you're like super into playing Elden Ring and don't want it mildly spoiled, I guess skip ahead. But the most games like Horizon Forbidden West, Horizon Zero Dawn, and um, Breath of the Wild, where you have to locate things that show you more of the map show you the whole map first like it's a blacked out or it's it's not filled mm-hmm. in yeah Ring kind of you think you see the whole map at first and you're like oh and you discover a piece yeah, and you're like, yeah okay yeah, i gotta yeah, unlock yeah. more and as you play like i just it just keeps kind of it the subverts frame. how yeah. big it is and so now by the end i'm like oh my god uh yeah but it's not just big for big sake which skyrim had that problem but uh it's very dense <laughs> It's very, yeah, very and that's dense. the thing. It's it feels like there's something going on everywhere. I can I can find something where Skyrim is just like I'll go around for twenty minutes until I run into something. Yeah, but there's yeah. So I've been having a blast. Yeah, it's a great. Uh, I finally game. got all the little side questy things done, which. Side quests in it are obtuse, uh, as is famous for the game. You don't have like a nice little quest log. You just have to remember that some lady somewhere said something cryptic. And then you have to read an item description for this thing you pick up 20 hours later and be like, I think this is the thing she said. Let me go find her. Um, so, yeah, everybody just cheats and uses internet guides because that's oh, how yeah, you play yeah. these games. Yeah, no yep, one, yep, yep, yep. Uh, that's how I grew up playing games. Um, yeah. I, I had players guides for everything i had the players guide for yoshi's island before i had yoshi's island <laughs> I, I would just like i would look at the art they were yeah they were a whole thing like yeah. it was like it wasn't just here's how you beat it it was um i here's remember the getting lore. the i got the uh guy like i would always buy the the official guides and yeah. it wasn't that oh i suck and i need it it was like Part of the fun. I don't right, know. Right, right, right. Um, I, yeah, we had two guides for Ocarina of Time, and I feel like they were both official, maybe. But I don't <laughs> understand what would have been different about, but I remember having two of them, which is weird. <laughs> and they were different. So, the, uh, uh, I, I, like, at my parents, so I go home for Christmas, and my parents, you know, kind of, like why get rid of stuff is sort of they're they're not at all hoarders but like there's just like shelves or drawers that like they have no use for so like in the basement they have like a tv console center which growing up that was where my 
uh, gaming systems were plugged in, yeah. and in the drawer underneath it, I had all my uh, video game booklets yeah. and guides and whatever. It's still there. Like, it is not changed <laughs> at all. Like, you open up, and still the guide for Turok is in there. And so at Christmas, Good old I, Turok. I spread them all out this Christmas and took a picture, and I was like, these are, like, 25 years old. <laughs> yeah. And, like... But I and it's not because they they don't think to throw them away because like they're just like well we don't go in that drawer why would we right um, right 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 but yeah that's your drawer yeah it's just fun when I come home for Christmas to be like you guys know you can throw this I won't be offended if you throw <laughs> my Turok strategy yeah, you gotta sell that away. on eBay get some good seven dollars probably <laughs> um, <laughs> another thing to talk about that happened recently we both saw I think last night everything everywhere all at once. Yes. Ugh, so good. That like sometimes okay, sometimes when I love something so much, when I when I see something that really hits me and I love it so much, I automatically start lamenting that I'm that I'm gonna have to like sell people because I'm like I have yeah. to tell everybody I know to yeah. watch this. Yes, I'm gonna be the annoying guy. Like it's like there is like everybody knows the, the the wire is as famous for being the wire is it is as famous for its fans being like you've got to watch the wire but there's a reason why like yeah. the wire did get that way and so i'm now that way with this movie totally like everybody i'm just like Will you please it watch is everything so good wants, yes really good. it reminded me very much um of the first two michelle gondry movies who if you are yeah. unaware who th- that was there was a uh french Filmmaker, uh, he started off doing music wait, videos. Wait, what do you think was? He hasn't made any movies for a while. Oh, but he didn't well. die. No, he didn't die. Oh, no, he just stopped making movies. <laughs> Man, I was, and I'm very sad about it. Uh, Michel Gondry is is a French filmmaker. He started off doing music videos, and like he always used like these weird like practical effects. And then he yeah. was he was like greenlit to do some movies and. The two movies that like were, cause he did three. I think he only did three. Um, Be kind, rewind is the third one. I didn't think that one was nearly as impressive. Oh, uh, I love the other. I ones. mean, it wasn't as emotionally impactful, but I love it. Was just yeah, fun. yeah. Be kind, rewind was just an absolute blast. Right, and it was, and that's the thing. Like coming from making two movies, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is probably the more famous, is his most famous movie, and then. Uh, the Science of Sleep, which is, as far as I can tell, just very obscure still. <laughs> I feel like nobody's ever So heard I remember this when movie. it came out and it being like, oh, the guy who made Eternal yeah. Sunshine's got a new movie. And I watched it. I st- you don't remember this. I still maintain that we all watched it in the basement of my parents' house. But I just remember thinking that it was so pretentious and it did not work for me. Um, <laughs> so I do need to eventually rewatch it again. But it was just like the height of the sort of twee it was manic dream boy kind of thing yeah and I was like, it was Ugh. it was definitely released in the era of like i heart huckabee's uh garden state mm-hmm. like all those like you call them indie movies but they have million dollar budgets mm-hmm. like they are and then they're also just like huge cultural forces. Mm-hmm. Um, but like there was de- like indie, indie cinema had a moment mm-hmm. uh, and science of sleep was definitely like rocking the heels of that. And as I, I think the pinnacle of that sort of 
that sort of uh, scene. But um, I'll, re- I'll rewatch it. I just remember good. at the time being like 21 and being like, right. Um, but no, so, but no, so we've it, been talking it, around everything. It reminded all me. Yeah. It's, it, it's very much, I heart huck. Well, so the film is, is the premise of the film. The only thing I could think of that r- reminded me of it was I heart Huckabees, which is essentially a film about, um, philosophy. How? <laughs> what? How, mean? what? It, the whole premise of everything, everywhere, all at once. And I heart Huckabees is, does everything matter? Does nothing matter? But this is the one starring Jet Li. What? This is if the one starring well, Jet Li. Sure. I'm talking. I'm talking was... premise, and the one sucked. There was like a matrix. It was an unapologetic matrix <laughs> ripoff. Um, you, I'm mad no, that you reminded multi- me that movie existed. That there is a VHS copy of that movie that randomly appeared in my dorm room freshman year, and nobody claimed it. So I still have it. Because who would claim that? <laughs> who's gonna watch the one? You're the I one. You, you are the one times. who still owns the one <laughs> on VHS, no, which was a shameless Matrix ripoff. <laughs> no, because the one was like a multiverse ah. thing. It was he had to. Oh, the guy was so jumping neat. through all of the multiverses to kill his other selves. So. Uh, that's everything basically what this movie is. <laughs> all at once, I went in very blind. All I knew about it was it was original. Some people were saying it yeah. was kind of like being John Malkovich. Some people were saying it's kind of, you know, like, at, like some of the other movies we've mentioned. Or like Doctor Strange. Um, yeah. And I was just like, okay, it's got great reviews. I really like uh, the cast. Um, the Which, by the way, the cast, like, so it's... I, I noticed in I the movie, his name. Uh, um, what's his name from the Goonies? <laughs> uh, That's who I'm trying to look up. Is yeah, uh, he, I, always, I know him as short run from Indiana Jones because yeah. I didn't grow oh, up with sure. with uh, Goonies, okay. but I had the Indiana Jones VHS. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, I as soon as I saw him, name. I was like, that was short round. <laughs> yeah, I always forget his name in the Goonies too. Uh, it hasn't been long enough. It's been too long since I've seen it. But so I'm watching this movie and I'm realizing that this is this is maybe the best movie I've seen in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it is not based on an existing property. It is not a director or writer I know. And there are no A-list actors in the cast. Right. So so the, the gentleman like, who, from the Goonies and, and who played short around his, his name and uh, apologies if I butchered is Ki Hui Kwon. Yeah, uh, and he, it's he's been kind of on the press circuit for this of being like, "I'm back," and then people are like, "Where did you go?" And he was just sort of like, <laughs> after like, you know, uh, Temple of Doom and Goonies, like there was a lot of roles for young Asian men in Hollywood, and, and yeah, you know, uh, so it's been it's it's cool to see that he's still a good yeah. actor. Yeah, <laughs> he oh, didn't he's lose so it. So good, and Michelle Yeoh's in it. Uh, from Crouching Tiger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, she's from a lot, but that's the part, that's the movie that I know her most from. It's Crouching mm-hmm. Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, but it is just, like, I expected it to be like the, like, you know, sort of mind-mending, mind-bending, mind-melting sort of thing that everyone keeps talking about. I was not expecting it to be as uproariously funny as it is. Yeah, so I I laughed out loud dozens of times. I compared it a little bit to Scott Pilgrim in in only that Scott Pilgrim 
unflinchingly just gets absurd for a minute and yeah. you ex- you accept that you, you don't just care. accept it yeah and this gets absurd for moments and you don't oh, it stop gets and go so absurd you don't stop and go it's oh wait so like wonderful. what are the rules it's not like it's not like something like death oh note if you're God. familiar with that where you're gonna sit down and like trying to analyze like the rules like if you do that this movie's gonna fall apart it is at its heart a family drama it is um, yeah um and it in it in it in it absolutely i was not ex- I was expecting something more along the lines of being John Malkovich, where it's good and funny and wild, but not necessarily. Uh, right. I was not expecting to uh, involuntarily cry several right. times, which right. I do not typically cry at movies. And like, I had to uh, go. I had to have like a think after this and like a, a moment. Uh, mm. uh, and it's so absurd. It rides this insane. Um, it's hard to talk about without spoilers, so I'll just say yeah. it's, it's absurdist. No, every moment is just, you should not know anything about this movie going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe watch the trailer. That'd be fine. The trailer doesn't reveal too much. I, but, so I hadn't seen the trailer, so I didn't know Jamie Lee Curtis was in it. Oh my God, she is so I had no funny. idea. So I was like, She's oh, Jamie so, Curtis. Like a frumpy <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis too, which is what's so funny. Um no, but so the the Space Odyssey 2001 yeah, bit was that reference was so great. good. That was that was the moment where I just realized this movie is absolutely insane, <laughs> and I love it. It is maximalist cinema, is what it is. Yeah, it's, yes, it's, that is it's a good very point. much That's a good way to put it. in. It reminded me very much of like hyper pop. Uh, and like this new movement and like hyper genre uh, music that has come out recently where there have been a number of albums that I've heard the last several years that are just, they haven't edited any ideas out and they are. Are you talking about like, what are they? hundred Gex or whatever? <laughs> no, I'm talking more about the armed, but hundred Gex fits in there. Um, I can't with with them. I'm, I can't. I'm, I can't do hundred gex either. Yeah, I'm just like, what look, is this? Like, I'm old enough to have heard enough weird crap to get it, and I'm going, <laughs> yeah. wow, you guys are young, and you're like, we're gonna do weird crap. But I've heard so much weird crap. It's nope. just not. I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. All the uh, people I know that love hundred gex are like in their mid to late thirties. <laughs> Or really? Oh. Yes. I was gonna say everybody I know that likes Hundred Gex is like twenty three, and they're oh, like, no, this no, blew no, my no, mind." No. And I'm like, "Nobody, nobody mm. that I know who likes Hundred Gex is under twenty five. Uh, but yes, uh, 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 not to belabor the point. But no, this but is yeah, a great but movie. So, you it's should watch so good. It. Yes, it is. You're gonna excellent. have feelings, uh, especially uh, if you have is. any family. If if you have, <laughs> if you're a human, you're gonna have feelings when you watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it was so good. And also the uh, the maitre d from the Chinese restaurant episode of Seinfeld plays the father, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's so good. <laughs> we looked him up last night. He. He is the uh, gardener uh, in um, Chinatown, the one oh, who Jack he, Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, yeah, okay. where he yeah, yeah, yeah. like right. goes up and the guy says uh, because he's got a thick Chinese accent and he says bad for bad for glass and Jack Nicholson kind of mocking him goes bad for glass and then that ends up being a clue in the film, but like. Mm-hmm. 
in my head, I was like, wait, he was old in that movie. And we looked yeah. him up and we're like, oh, he's in his 90s. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he was old when Chinatown was made. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it's it's good. Go see. Turn on this podcast. Go <laughs> buy tickets to everything all the time. Everything everywhere all the time. It's very good. Uh, you will not. It is. You will not ever see another movie like it. Yeah, and it's a lot it's, of lot a lot of film references. Like you it's mentioned, a whole yeah. After the film, we just talked about like the there is a um, I'll just say a segment of the film that reminded me us us all the group that I saw it with because I saw it with my my film club of um, uh, the movie In the Mood for Love, which is one of my favorite uh, romance movies, and the that director who I'm blanking on his name has made some. They're just very slow burning uh, slow burning Chinese romance films. Yeah. And um, there's a part in there that's like very romantic and very slow burning, and everybody mm-hmm. looks really good. And I'm like, this has to be referencing that. Yeah. Um, anyways. Yeah. No, it's <sighs> it's one of those movies that made me just think, how can you have this in your head to put it onto paper, to put it onto a screen? Like, how do you even think of these things? And in, in I think. Anybody who's done any project knows, I mean, you're making an album right now. It's not so much can you think of the thing, it's can you execute, right? I can think of wacky whatever. I could, right. I could even, you know, sit down, have a few drinks, and write a kind of weird script about a multiverse. But to get <laughs> it done and, oh, and it was, have it be coherent and, oh my God, like that, it's just it was kind of a less, miracle that yeah. this thing even got funded. Yes, it was less the weird, like the weird absurd moments and more like the mechanics and how the story came about. Yeah. Like how does a, how do two people, it's two writers. How yeah. do two people have all of these ideas in their head? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a the staggering IMDb trivia work. for it's it. staggering if, work. Ooh, I now, if check you, that. if you haven't read it or if, if the audience uh, is listening and, and seen it, the IMDb trivia is really fun. Okay. Um, I will check that out. Yeah, but speaking of IMDb <sighs> trivia's, see of IMDb trivia, <laughs> and this this week thought, we're talking about we're... famed Boston hardcore punk legends. Uh, <laughs> no, we're, uh, we're talking about James Bond. We're talking James about the Bond, Bond. themes. Bum, 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 bum. Um, we tease it. All, we've teased it a lot. Don't. We, uh, we don't I think if up. you sing more notes of that, we'll get. Uh, get a dig. deleted from the internet. I don't know yeah. how that stuff works. So, so Jesse, we've we've talked about our mutual appreciation for Bond mm-hmm. in very passing uh, tones. Mm-hmm. Where, what was your your introduction? How how did it come to be that you are a Bond fan? That is a good question because when, like. Uh, I was the age, I think it was 12, no, I probably wasn't even 12. Goldfinger was 94, right? Golden or not eye. Goldfinger, Golden <laughs> Eye. Golden no. Eye was 94. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, the uh, Golden Eye came out, I think, 94, and I was 9 or 10. 95. 95, okay, so I'm in 10, going on, going on 11. And that came out, uh, Mission Impossible came out, and that's, like, when I'm starting to, like, get to the age where I can, like, maybe beg my parents to go see some PG-13 movies with some action in them and whatever. <laughs> and, and Mission and Impossible I, was ubiquitous. Yeah, it was... It was I mean, everywhere. I've seen, that was a, I've that seen was an Mission Impossible, like, 
a million times and I still can't tell you the plot because I was way too young when I saw it to understand the plot, but I still enjoyed it. Um, everyone has betrayed same thing with Tom Goldeneye. Cruise. Yeah, everyone Cruise. betrays everybody. Everyone um, has betrayed Tom Cruise. The Goldeneye was similar. So I did finally get to watch it on like VHS and the ubiquitous video game. It was a landmark video game, which movie video games... Uh, uh, I mean, hell, to this day, movie video games mostly suck. There are very few good come ones. Out. Very and few good so ones. when GoldenEye came out as a video game, like, everyone, it was a phenomenon, and it was such a surprise to everybody that it was good. Um, and then whether or not you, like, so you ended up kind of seeing GoldenEye. Yeah. Uh, you ended up renting it, the movie, just because the game was so popular, and the movie because I was young and struggled with complicated plots about world <laughs> espionage. I had no idea what was going on, but I was like, that There's was a, a cool fight scene. He's getting a satellite to S- beam the world. Satellite, I guess. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that was my intro. And then, of course, as time goes on, I just see them as they come out in theaters. I didn't really... Yeah. Uh, mindless, kind of fun. Um, and then when Casino, Casino Royale came out, and it was on video, it was out of the theaters. I had yeah. so many people say it's great, and I was like, I don't know. And I, my friend gave me his Blu-ray to borrow, and I was like, holy cow. And I think I watched it like three times in a week. <laughs> and then I was hype. I was like yeah. on the train. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and I grew, I grew up with it on TNT on Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> Thanksgiving, <laughs> like, right. Bondath- like Bondathon. Like, they yeah. even make a joke about it in the it, film American Beauty of, like, he's like, oh, there's a Bond marathon on at home. Because yeah. that was just so ubiquitous uh, in the in the 90s. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I bought the Blu-ray, like, Supermaster collection of right, all of right. them. And my wife and I slowly made it through all of them. And uh, except die another day, apparently, we made it through all of them up through <laughs> Goldeneye, okay. and then it was like we decided to get rid of all of our physical media. And so, I still have never seen Die Another oh Day, <laughs> I still never seen it. That explains why you don't hate that song. <laughs> oh, that song rules! That song no, is, it my, it is my favorite Bond song. Uh, it's jumping ahead, it is maybe this the best Bond is... song. I guess we die. Uh, Come on, how does that go? And then she's if, she's, you, she's doing these you like are, military stomps to do oh the beat. God. Like it's like if soldier you are boots. listening to this podcast and you have always <laughs> been wonder if you have always thought, I wonder what it would be like mm-hmm. to start a podcast with Nat. <laughs> Hit me up. I'm in the market. <laughs> I'm in the market for a co-host. It's such a how do you not what <sighs> I love Madonna. Look, one, I love Madonna. Two, when uh, you know, as an angsty boy, Madonna was not marketed towards me. But uh, when Ray of Light came out, and then Ray especially when music good. came out, I was as a junior high was like, whatever she's doing is this is not just pop droll. Uh, this is not like at the time right. I would judge Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears, and I was like, oh, this is garbage. And so I, I've always been a Madonna fan. Yeah. So I also typically I typically love Madonna. I like she's one of the, um, I think I brought her up on the pop episodes. Like she was one of my on ramps into like mm-hmm. liking pop music, but there was definitely a moment where she was clawing awkwardly at relevancy and at youth <laughs> and at. I mean, you could she argue become, she's been doing that since two thousand. 
I mean, yeah, and that's when this movie came out. If you want to be mean about it, two thousand four, two thousand five. But so this was at this was at the peak of. She is just trying to remind people that there's more than like that. She's the reason Britney Spears exists, whatever. But she wasn't like doing it well yet. This is and when I this was right her, around the time that she was faking a British accent and, and converting guy, guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie and she's converting to Kabbalahism and is just like getting out there in everything. And then So I feel like you're annoyed with Madonna more than you are the song cuz the no. song is good. The song the No, 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 beat, no, no, no. The, the song beat, is the melody bad. goes hard. The production is It's like awful. military Have you seen the music video like she's being interrogated and like the military guards are like stepping in time with the beat and I, oh, it's good. It's good. Also, it is the worst Bond film bar none. I'm sure it is cuz it is absolutely <laughs> the worst Bond film and well, I, I disagree and I haven't seen it because On Her Majesty's Secret Service is the worst Bond film. I think no. it can't be it can't be worse than that. On Her Majesty's Secret Service does not have a CGI car chase against a a melting iceberg. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it do, all I remember about On Her Majesty's Secret Service is is, is that's the one with uh, I believe it's George Lazenby, right? George Lazenby. Lazenby. Um cuz I don't know who is Australian. If you're a Bond uh, fanatic, you probably know the backstory. I don't. I'm sure it was uh, Connery wanted more money, and they said no. And then they made Hunter Ashley's Secret Service, which is horrifying. It's just I, so bad. And then they were I like, like it. okay, how much money do you want? Can you come back? Actually, <laughs> no. Diamonds are forever. <laughs> Lazenby didn't want to come back. No, that's... I. Oh, Lazenby so he, didn't. No, he he did one and he didn't want to do it again. Well, probably because it was the worst movie ever. Uh, no, he wanted to quit <laughs> acting. Well, I too would quit acting if I made on her magic. Actually, I think service. that's the only movie he's acted in. Um, no, okay. You so know, my origin story. My origin. Yeah, what's your story, origin story? Um, I was ignorant outside of like cultural references. You know, because like everybody's parodying. James Bond all the time, you know, like the yeah. Looney Tunes and Tiny yeah. Tunes and Animaniacs. It gets are, so parodied that when you watch one, so you're sort parodied. of like, "Oh, this is actually serious," you know, yeah. like the the tone. Well, depending on which Some Roger Moore movie, depending <laughs> so, on which Roger Moore yeah. movie you're watching. Um, but no, so I first actually like really got into it at the GoldenEye video game, and True. I similar ages. Seen, that makes sense. I hadn't seen the movie. I I hadn't seen any James Bond movies, and I started playing that at a friend's house, and then like convinced my parents to buy it for me. And then like I would like um, my dad was a uh, a divorced father who had his kids on the weekend and didn't know how to entertain them, and so he would just like take us to the movies or take us to family video to rent movies and whatever. And so I started making my way through the Bond movies and I don't know how, it probably just came from- So he didn't to, push it on you. He was no, like, no, 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 we no. got to watch Dr. No. no. Um, so my stepdad actually was a bigger Bond fan. Um, my dad was, uh, he, he, that's not really his speed. Um, mm -hmm. He's more- uh, he he was an actor, and so he's much more into like more serious dramas, um, mm -hmm. and and comedy stuff. So like 
he took us to see Austin Powers, but you know, he would he wouldn't like push us to see James Bond. But so, um, but for whatever reason, I started with like the Sean Connery movies, um, and which like asked like a seventh grader or eighth grader trying very hard to watch Dr. No and like love it instead of being like, this is the most boring movie I've ever seen in my life, which it is <laughs> slow, but I re I rewatched Dr. No about six months ago. Just the pacing's so wild. Fun. And I'm like, I like it because whatever I am an old man and I like full movies, but I would for, I was like, Oh, this is like an hour and a half before like anything yeah, super yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of wild happens. And then also the, the, um, and the main babe doesn't show up until like an hour and a half in the first Bond <laughs> right. girl yeah. doesn't show up until very late in the movie. Yeah. And it's so funny though, because like we're talking about Bond themes here. They only had the one in that one. And so yeah. they just kept playing that track like all the time. So like he's like I'm walking gr- through a hotel lobby and it's like, bah, nah, bah, nah. it's just like horns blaring and whatever. I, I'm it's glad like, you brought is. that up because when I was rewatching it, I was like, I forgot how much they just played the Bond theme over and over and over. And that was a thing in soundtracks anyway. Like it wasn't really a thing for scores to have different motifs, mm-hmm. uh, probably until after Star Wars. Um, like that mm-hmm. was really the first, cause that was like a, that was an op- that was an opera trick. And John Williams decided to resurrect that for this space mm-hmm. opera. Um, but like a whole lot of movies would just have the main theme that would play through it. Um, but no, but so I, I watched the, like some of the old ones, um, like I remember renting Dr. No and, um, Moonraker and the man with the golden gun, like all the ones that are like referenced in Goldeneye. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I didn't actually like have a point of reference outside of that. I probably talked with kids at school about, but it was just how I was convinced that Sean Connery was the best one. Um, yeah, it was, well, growing up and being, we've talked about this a bit before with music and, and be wanting to be taken seriously as a fan of anything. Yeah. Um, when as you early were as a possible. kid, when you're a kid and you're like, I like James Bond. Oh, and you, you know, of course some yeah. boomer dad is like, nothing will beat Sean Connery. And you're like, Look, oh. I just like Goldeneye, and I right. like Pierce Brosnan because I'm 12. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm yeah. not a film critic yet. Yeah. Chill out. Um, but I remember hating that because people would be like, uh, Sean Connery is the best. Sean Connery is the best. I knew Sean Connery is this bearded, yeah, 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 old man, and I was like, and how was, could he possibly yeah. be Bond? Yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah, but so I kind of like you know, and I would watch them through high school and stuff. I'd go and see him in the movie. I don't think the first. I don't think I saw any of them in theaters until The World Is Not Enough, which I maintain is way better than people remember it is. Um, I don't, not that it isn't. But th- that's the one where, with, what's her name's a scientist? She's <laughs> yes. like a nuclear scientist, but she's wearing <laughs> like a name? sexy crop top the whole movie. What's her name? Char- uh, Charlie Sheen's ex-wife. Uh, she's in Wild Things as well. Yes, not Brooke Shields. It's uh, someone screaming at us, but I know the theme for the world is not enough was the first uh, time that I remember going, oh, I specifically like a James Bond theme because I was a teen and I liked 
garbage the band garbage plenty yeah and the music video for it came out and i thought it was brilliant even then i got that it was okay we're still doing garbage music it's hard to say in a sentence the band band garbage music but we are definitely making winks and nods to the old kind of body right broad tunes that that uh, and so that was my first one that yeah. i was like okay i yeah. actually like this theme song it was denise richards denise richards thank you <laughs> she played she played a nuclear scientist <laughs> yeah. named christmas jones yep to which bond has the famous line i thought christmas only came once a year <sighs> because remember, that's what these movies explodes are and, and puts we diamonds are... in the guy's face right isn't that the one where the dude sparkles uh is no it? it's that's the one where he doesn't have pain he does his pain receptors oh, you're right. are, are you're gone right. which is yeah. a great idea for a for a bond villain this is a great um villain. but yeah so i kind of like and i watched the daniel craig ones as they came out and stuff but i didn't really like go out of my way to watch for any of them until uh, when I was working in the factory a few years ago, I I was working overnight shifts and you just got to find stuff to listen to. And so mm-hmm. I started listening to a bunch of podcasts and um, wha- one podcast, How it, how Did This Get Made?, which is a uh, trek through bad movies, enjoyably bad movies, ideally. They did an episode on A View to a Kill, with uh, two guys from a podcast called James Bonding. And I, it's Matt Gorley, who is a writer for Conan and has been in a bunch of other podcasts, and another guy named Matt, whose last name I forget. But um, I started listening to this podcast and it reminded me, I was like, oh yeah, I really, I really do enjoy these movies. And like, you know, and I'll say right here for everybody, like, yes, we know it's it's got its problems. Like, it is not a shining example of what a man should be. Uh, James Bond has done a lot of bad things in the past. Uh, it's very much also a um, emblem of its time. Uh, yeah, I mean, watching some of the Connery ones, it's oh, like he will, uh, if a yeah. woman gets very upset, he'll just slap her to calm her down. Whereas the and uh, straight newer up, ones, they kind of poke at yeah. how much of a shell of a man Bond must be to yeah. be this callous. Right, right. And uh, so, you know. the right. But the, cin- the spectacle of the cinema, the spectacle of the movies, and also like the influence that the Bond movies have had on, like you would not have the action genre as it exists without mm-hmm. Dr. No. Um, but so I, it, it reminded me like for how much I enjoy those movies. And so I bought the, the, you know, probably the same Blu-ray box, set the, that probably the same Blu-ray yeah. box set and watch through those. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is great. And, this is great. Yeah. I, I love this. And But one of the things that is so emblematic about the movies and so iconic about the movies are the themes. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's been 30 of them. <laughs> so. Well, and they feel antiquated by modern standards. The I was trying to think of this when we were talking about this podcast. And I was like, the last movie that I remember having an intro intro, like a really yeah. animated 
we are going to stop and we are going to show you some credits and we're going to listen to a song and we're going to have fun for for three minutes was girl with the dragon tattoo which yeah. uh, 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 almost is kind of like a Bond um, intro in a way, and it's and it's Trent Reznor, Karen O doing a cover of Immigrant Song, and while this is song is, it's, I yeah, really love that cover. And while this is playing, they're just you know doing all sorts of CGI animation, and that that's like the maybe there's others that I, I'm I sure feel there like, is. I feel like a but, lot of. It kind of died. I feel like a lot of the Marvel movies have sequences like that, but they might also just be at the end. But because the because the credits I can't remember the end, a Marvel intro having a wild like let's do a song and Guardians of the Galaxy two. There was like interspersed with a fight, but it was absolutely yes. like a chintzy. Oh, I feel yes. like Thor Ragnarok also did because they also did. They also used immigrant song. Immigrant song, um, but no, <laughs> um, but yeah. So the, yeah. the like the opening credits is a that in itself is an emblem of a bygone era because famously Star Wars again killed that mm-hmm. uh, and got George Lucas blacklisted from the Directors Guild for it. <laughs> um, Wait, really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he got he blacklisted didn't, from the Directors Guild because he didn't do it. Because he didn't do it, he didn't do credits at the beginning. I didn't know that. Yeah. And people are like, people are just going to leave. They're going to skip the credits. And that's exactly what people do now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so it's, but it is in a Bond film, it is expected that you will have your cold open. You will have your, your credit sequence with the, you know, guns or girls or playing cards or whatever uh, Mm -hmm. with this theme song. And And part of the fun of it is, is the artist that they pick of the moment. Yeah. It's and this I mean at least very since much time the eighties since the eighties, really, they were sort of like, you know, uh, uh Duran Duran got to do one. Yeah. Aha got to do one. And like the most recent film is Billie Eilish. And right. it makes total sense. Yeah. Like you're just like, yeah. When I when I heard Billie Eilish was doing the theme song for No Time Did I was like, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I mean and it's it's all I feel like it's been like that since the seventies, at least, you know, cause Paul McCartney did live and let die. You're right. And, You're right. Which is fame, which that is funny be because, which is funny because, um, in one of the early, I, I think it's in Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is some gadget that's like a earmuff or something. And Sean Connery quips that, you know, you might as well wear those while you're listening to the Beatles. Which is a very dated reference. It just like makes you think like, oh man, like James Bond, you were a square. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were a square. And it was the thing too where going back to like you, you said it like it created the uh action, action genre. Movie, yeah. But there's like there's most action even today, most action movies are more along the lines of Die Hard, where your hero gets really beat up, right. but is uh, kind of like very muscular, very brute, very whatever. Bond was the first where he did everything with this grace and cleverness and quips. Right. Like he would, he would st- occasionally, you know, especially in the earlier ones, he didn't like, they let him get roughed up in the newer ones, but in the earlier ones, he rarely got really roughed up and he would just oh. more outsmart and qu- out quip the guys yeah. or use he a did gadget have- real quick. He did you have know. that gnarly train fight in from Russia with Russia love. with love, yeah. But um, 
But we're getting real sidetracked, and we're talking about the movies, and this is a, a music podcast, dang it. It's a music <laughs> right. podcast. So, and so we've established Dr. No does just the theme song way too much. Yeah. From Russia with Love is the first one where they have, okay, hi, here's a, th- a song for the movie. But that's and, only in the end credits. You know. So, the, yeah, that one Yeah, also, that was only in the end credits. But it was Shirley Bassey's Goldfinger, mm-hmm. which <laughs> which remains <laughs> that is the that is the golden standard. It is that is that was the first song to really do what a Bond theme is supposed to do. Um, yeah, and, and that's kind of because, famously the first great. But I mean, you can argue about that. But Goldfinger is the one that people kind of know. Oh no, like, it was the first you know, one that was like a. Thing from Russia like with really love, good. Is, yeah. From Russia with love is just kind of a song that they put in the end credits because that's yeah. what you did in end credits. But uh, there are there are rules to what a Bond theme needs. Die another day doesn't fulfill any of them, which is why I hate it. But Goldfinger established those rules, um, and probably the biggest thing is that there has to be some sort of interpolation of the Bond theme. Like yeah, th- that working sort it of, in a little bit, right? Because there's there are a lot of weird things, uh, th- music theory wise, happening. Like the there isn't really like one scale that it keeps to. There are a lot of weird atonal um, chromatic jumps that it makes that is pretty unique outside of that, and it pretty much made like you know if you're thinking of like the spy movie genre, like every single theme is just trying to be the Bond theme. Mm-hmm. Um, like you think about uh, like the Mission Impossible theme that we brought up earlier. Like, and I just checked to see how, what the timeline was between uh, Dr. No and the series. It was four years. Yeah. So like the Mission Impossible theme uses a lot of the same tonalities. It's, it's, it's very trying much the same to genre. Be, yeah. yeah, it's trying to be the same thing. But then you have like, you know, sort of gimmicks on that, like Secret Agent Man that... Which yeah. <laughs> I loved that song as a kid, um, but like it's all like it's this surfy sort of like jazzy, like weird chromatic stuff going on. And Goldfinger was the first one that was like, "All right, everybody, like here's here's the playbook, mm-hmm. here's what we're doing." Um, and you know, you got the big overblown horns. You've got uh, little bits of the of the theme popping up everywhere, and that was really where things started coming in. And I would say that the movie after that, Thunderball, did it probably just as well. Thunder, yeah, I like Thunderball. Thunderball is incredible. That's, and it's more croony. You know, you have a male. It's Tom Jones. Vocalist. Yeah, it is Tom um, Jones who is the crooner. <laughs> Listening to it today, it was thinking about because I was just like, like you and I grew up. This is an aside, but we grew up learning how to sing from our who we listened to, right? Yeah. And like, it took me an extremely long time to even know how to croon. Not that I think I could miss necessarily do it now, but it's like an entirely different way of singing. That oh yeah. Really, time like the Strokes are probably the only band where you could say, <laughs> "Oh, they he croons," and like yeah. pretty much no one else does, and by modern standards. <laughs> my my grandpa used to be in a college barbershop quartet, and so right. he I grew up with him singing like that. So I okay. have jokingly crooned like my whole life. <laughs> I 
<laughs> it was weird to me. But yeah, yeah so what it's are a these, weird thing. What are these like when listening? Because you and I have been listening to them a bunch yeah. over the past weeks, and definitely today I binged the full playlist twice. Um, what stuck out to you uh, in terms of songs you like? In terms of songs I like, I actually made a top five here. Um, <laughs> if we want to get that, I made a top Let's and do it. bottom. Let's do it. I made a top and bottom. Um, and my tops, my tops were written assuming that uh, Goldfinger is just, of course, that's the top one. So I'm going to skip it. Okay. Um, it's like how nobody mentions that the Beatles are their, are their favorite band. Cause of course mm-hmm. everybody, cause unless you're an edgelord um, license to kill okay. that theme it's, and it is very much like it even samples the Goldfinger theme. Uh, it samples those horns at the beginning and it's um, a Gladys Knight who is, yeah. you know, a, a, a disco queen. And that's the other thing that we, sort of played at, um, but didn't really talk. These are very much time capsules in Mm -hmm. that they are, um, and it's not even like what's hot at the moment, but it's like, what is like kind of middle of the road hot? Like this Mm -hmm. is the, what is the, uh, the complete, what is the very middle of the mainstream road? <laughs> Which yeah, it definitely is has how to you appeal get, to adult. They're not just going to put the newest hot artist right. on. They're not going to put know. BTS in, yeah. uh, in, a, in a James Bond movie. Which is how, but it's the very middle of the road, which is how you get Edge and Bono writing a song that's going to be sung by Tina Turner. Yeah. <laughs> which is what the Goldfinger theme was. <laughs> So, um, or you mean Goldeneye or Goldeneye? Yeah, yeah. Goldeneye, yeah. We yeah. keep doing that. It's keep doing that. Easy. So, yeah. uh, other other top uh, fives. Yeah. So, uh, License to Kill. Also, I'm I'm glad I'll say that the um, Timothy Dalton movies have had a recent reexamination because they are quite good. I have enjoyed them a great deal. I need and- to rewatch them because I hate them. Oh man! Because everyone I, I've seen, I just remember. Uh, I think it's a little no man with the golden gun. I think it's oh, man with the golden gun or license to kill. Gets they all get like really dark. Like that would be like license to them, kill. No, it's really dark, and I was just like, wow. Yeah, it'd be license to kill. Uh, no, he had the dark. Like they were pressing into like the eighties bloody action movies. Yeah, yeah, because it's the eighties. Paul Vander, what's his right. name, doing uh, all his movies. But Benicio del Toro's in there. <laughs> he is. Yeah, he's in License to Kill. All right, I should great. rewatch it. Uh, after that, Tomorrow Never Dies. I was so surprised. Uh, that's my number two. That was the first one that we owned in my house, and so I do have a lot of nostalgia around that but the theme is so good it's Cheryl Crow which like Cheryl Crow like mid to late 90s like she is having a moment and it's not like a Cheryl Crow song at all it's definitely like a classic no. Bond theme and Cheryl Crow is very fun in the sun it. kind of music yeah, yeah 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 but this is like a dark Bond yeah. like orchestral it is yeah. good and it's good I think and her She's got that like scratchy voice that like she's almost constantly like blowing past her vocal cords mm-hmm. and it 
is it works so well. Um, I put tomorrow, uh, the world is not enough as my number three. Okay. Just because I also again having that proud of you having that as my <laughs> you know the movie I saw first. I I really do love that movie. I really do love that movie. Um, Thunderball is my number four, and then A View to a Kill. That Duran Duran mm. theme is real good. <laughs> I need to listen to it so again. Fun. It didn't. It, it definitely caught me when I was listening to this playlist, and I went, "Huh? Yeah, what is yeah, this? yeah." And it's, I was like, "Oh, it's probably this is the when we least to the '80s." <laughs> yeah, it's probably the least Bondy of them. Yeah. of the good ones. It's the least yeah. Bondy of the good ones. Um, but yeah, uh, my and then I have an honorable mention for another way to die. That song is way better than anyone gives it credit for. That's I agree. Often, in like I see people putting it in the bottom of their lists all the time. I'm like, why? When all time high exists. Yeah, like listening through this. Uh, Roger was, Moore had a real rough time. I he was had a real rough time with uh, themes. I was disappointed that my opinions weren't challenged. I was hoping I would arrive yeah. on yeah. the podcast and be like, I totally misjudged this and that and this. And it was like, <laughs> no, like, you know what? Like the songs I like are the famous themes and the ones yeah. I don't are the themes that no the one really remembers. forgettable ones. Right. Um, and yes, I do have an extreme bend towards the modern themes. Probably my favorite is Madonna's die another day. Probably that is my that is my very bottom pick. Uh, it's my very my bottom pick. And then like That's garbage is well, not enough. Jack White and Alicia Keys, another way to die. I mean Adele, Skyfall's great. Billy Sky- Eilish's I, new one's good. I almost I almost put Skyfall on here, but I figured that was also it's just too just obvious. So yeah, it, that is and a so, quintessential. I didn't put that on for the same reason I didn't put on uh, Goldfinger because it yeah. is just. When it's like, and uh, it deserves credit for that. It deserves credit for being like hitting that iconic sound. Yeah, it does. It sounds so. I will say, I know the "Live and Let Die" by Guns N' Roses way more than I do the Wings (laughs) version because Guns N' Roses did a better cover. I'm sorry, it's better. (laughs) Um, There's something that about McCartney. There's like McCartney's impulsive and again i realize i'm talking about someone who is a bona fide musical genius at least when it comes to songwriting he loves to just get goofy and weird in the middle of songs and sometimes it works and it doesn't work for me in live and let die like halfway through it turns into oh i'm being paul mccartney now and then he goes back into live and let die and i'm like why are you doing this yeah there are a couple things there so the first thing what paul (laughs) mccartney does weird what paul mccartney does is that he will write halves of songs and then combine them (laughs) which is sounds like which is what uh, a day uh, in the life. A day in life. So I, that's, that's like what one of my in, favorite songs of all time. It's so good, but, but it that's works what that there. song is, right? Uh, that's what the the Abbey Road medley is. Yeah, uh, that is what Band on the Run is. Is just all these songs that he he had started these ideas, and he did. That's what like Uncle Albert and uh, whatever. There's a slash after everybody just calls it Uncle Albert. Um, like that's part of his mo like he's very oh open I, about oh i didn't finish these songs so i, I just get threw it them together. just listening to it i just think of the big epic chorus and in yes. my head i think of the slash 
uh, the Slash. I think of Slash playing that. And I'm, yeah. I'm like, listen to it. And I'm like, okay, I haven't heard the wings in a while. And then it just gets goofy in the middle. The, and it's like, the, why also, did they? Like, also, part of that, this? part of that is because Live and Let Die was a, it was an attempt at a black exploitation film. It was Roger Moore's first. It was. And it was the one that was set in New Orleans, right? It was New Orleans and Jamaica. And then Jamaica, yeah. Yeah. And so. That was the, you know, that was the first second bomb film I ever saw because I remember seeing Goldeneye and I was like, dad, I, I'm into James Bond now. And he was sort of like, okay, I saw this one in theaters and I don't think it's too sexually explicit. And here, it kid, is here. Kid rent this one. And, uh, that, so I saw live and let Here's die. Jane Seymour. <laughs> and I saw live and she's going to do like some very times. Conf- she's going to do some very confusing things to you while you see reruns of the med- Dr. Quinn, the medicine woman. <laughs> I never put that together. All right, <laughs> yeah, now I gotta rewatch *Love and Let Die*. <laughs> yeah, um, no, and so, but so like, it gets into like sort of that like uh, reggae calypso island stuff. Like, mm. and part of it is just Paul McCartney never finishing a song, but also it's you know, it's the island music. Yeah, again, and then like, diamonds are forever. Uh, you hear the intro, so and good. because I've listened to Charlie a thousand yeah. times, I was and, like, "Oh!" And then when it kicks in, yeah, I was almost excited to hear what the real song is because <laughs> I'm so used to. I'm like, "Okay, here's I know Kanye's yeah, yeah, lines." Yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah. Sure, and that's another Shirley Bassey, and Shirley mm-hmm. Bassey is the she did first two, she's, two of them. She's the only person to do more than one, and she has done three. What's her third? Moonraker, which is awful. Moonraker, I can't even tell you what it sounds like, and I listened to it's it twice today. Very bad. I think you it sh- washed over me while I was programming. I was listening <laughs> to job. it. I put it. I put it in my. I put it in my notes in my bottom list with the parent with the parenthetical statement. Shirley Bassey, what you doing? Because she has a voice like an overblown horn, like she mm-hmm. like is the voice of James Bond. And then she's putting out like the most forgettable thing. There was also a rumor that she wrote a theme for um, one of the Daniel Craig ones that was rejected. Mm-hmm. I forget the name of the mo- I forget the name of the song. It was on a rejected themes playlist. I found that's not actually the case. It so was do you just know the story behind how themes get picked. Because I always thought I assumed it was the producers at what is it MGM or whatever property uh, Eon. owns. Uh, Eon, right. the, yeah, 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 Eon is the studio but, specifically. Albert Broccoli James himself went and just said, "Okay, we're doing okay." The you know powers on high, very carefully picked, like picking the new pope, right? Yeah. Like you pick who <laughs> you pick yes. who's gonna be doing the new bond theme you do one every four years it's gotta be perfect that's it and so the first time i ever knew that there were alternatives was when radiohead did radiohead did the uh song specter for the film specter which did not get picked and sam smith's writing on the wall did which i think is is fine no it's I don't. I mean, compared to Spectre, you no. know, and I'm a biased Radiohead fan, but I'm like, why did you guys? Yeah. Did they throw it away? Did they say, sorry, Radiohead, you're too Radioheady, and go pick Sam Smith? Like, 
I yeah, was, how does, I, what I is listen, the process I don't like know. is my point. I, I don't know. I do know that artists pitch things. And okay. I have some notable things here. Um, so, for example, Ace of Bases, The Juvenile was originally Ace, Ace, Ace of Base released a song called Juvenile, but it was originally for Goldeneye. <laughs> and if you listen to the song, like you can tell it's basically that Juvenile is just the word that they chose that to sounds the closest like Goldeneye. Everything else is exactly the same. Uh, Johnny Cash wrote a Thunderball theme. Which is very Johnny Cashy, and it is, it is amazing. Actually, it's I need to look super these up. great. Um, the song "Pet Sounds" by the Beach Boys was originally pitched for a theme for Thunderball. <laughs> really? Uh, Brian Wilson really loved uh, the right. first two, the first three James Bond movies, and so he he wrote this piece that he pitched to them as a theme and they didn't take it. So he released it as pet sounds. Um, I didn't know that. Also, uh, Goldfrap. Do you know Goldfrap? She's like, an like, yeah. So she did a song called time out from the world for casino Royale, which is way mm -hmm. better because also because I grew up in like the, uh, the Brazen era and especially with, the GoldenEye video game. How have we not brought up... Because the, the video game has specific remixes of the theme as well. Yeah. I mean, this there's a tick, there's a infamous the, the, TikTok, the TikTok of a guy, uh, someone going, hey, we just need the uh, pause music for, for, <laughs> for GoldenEye. Uh, Goldeneye. Don't go too hard. And the guy's <laughs> like, oh, okay. And then it just like switches him and it's like the most, you know, dope remix of right. the kind of Bond the theme. And it's theme true. It's the pause theme for it, which is... And you're just in, like... It's such a vibe. And you don't but think yeah. about it when you're a kid and that's just the pause theme. Right. But then as an adult, I'm like, oh... He that didn't have to really, go that hard. He yeah, didn't have he didn't to, go, have that to go, that go that hard. Like no, you couldn't so, put anything in there. Yeah, but so um, but because I grew up in the Brosnan era, like mm -hmm. around that video game, my mind is always like, okay, trip hop sounds like James Bond. Mm -hmm. And I can so see that. it's like, so the Gold Trap song is like a more. Tr it's like it's more trip hoppy and like sounds very much like, oh yeah, okay, this is. Um, speaking of trip hop, forgot to mention that the song that Edge and Bono wrote for Tina Turner was produced by Nellie Hooper. Who I don't know who that is. Uh, it's a producer, DJ, uh, who was in the group that became Massive Attack. Was not a oh. member of Massive Attack, but okay. was tied in with those guys. Also did um, a bunch of, uh, maybe it was just the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack for Baz Luhrmann. But, like, has done a bunch in, like, the trip-hop arena. Uh, but, yeah, Goldfrap did a theme for Casino Royale that I liked better than... I know you hate You Know My Name by Chris Cornell. Uh, I, Hate's I just, a strong word. I, the, everything about it I like except his vocals. And the people who really like Chris Cornell and Soundgarden and Audio Slave, uh, hey. if, you can, if you can believe it... He's just like I'm. I'm like, people are like, oh, his voice is amazing, and look at how technical it is. And I'm like, he just sounds like he's taking a poop the whole time he's singing. 
I think he you just need... sounds like he's straight. He's like, and I'm like, why I, are I you think, doing I that? I think you need to see a gastroenterologist <laughs> if that's if that's what pooping sounds like. <laughs> um, you know my name. I'm like, dude, just stop. Like, why can yeah. you? Because Other... it's okay. He sounds like he grew. He sounds like Chris Cornell sounds like he grew up learning how to sing from metalheads. And and so a lot of his intonation yeah, is right. very that world, yeah, right. but he doesn't sing like a metalhead. And so I'm like, I said to you in text, I said, <laughs> I would like this song if it was sang by uh, the guy from The Darkness or like, what's That's his name? Brett Michael from, from uh, Poison or anybody who can really <laughs> belt. Uh, but Chris Cornell sounds like, oh, I'm not supposed to belt. I kind of have a gravelly Seattle grunge <laughs> voice, but I'm going to try. And I'm yeah. like, sir. I, I enjoy it. I wouldn't say it's one of the best themes ever. Uh, I do enjoy it. But I did think that the Gold Frap theme was a little better. Um, also some other rejected ones that are surprising. Alice Cooper did the man, did one for the man with a golden gun, hmm. which just sounds like an Alice Cooper song until halfway through. And then an orchestra comes in, <laughs> uh, Blondie did a version of for your eyes only, uh, mm-hmm. which w- is much better, which isn't hard because for your eyes only sucks. Uh, and then pulp did a song for Tomorrow Never Dies, which is what the hell is it? It is I, Is it so available to bad. stream? Yes, and it is bad. I love, I love Pulp, like... Uh, He's like <laughs> trying to croon. He's like, Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> it's like, is this how you sound always, my friend? Huh, okay, I, I need to look this up because I, I really I like don't, Pulp. I don't know Pulp. But I'm listening to this. I'm like, why is this guy sounding like this? And is is this how he always sings? If it is how he always sings, why does anyone like Pulp? Wait, you said you don't know Pulp. You had to have heard Common People. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one of the best songs ever, and I sing it for karaoke, and everybody's anytime I do, people are like. If they know it, they're like, oh, my God, I love this song. And if they don't know it, they're like, what is this five and a half minute song that Jesse's <laughs> singing that's um, mostly talking? I will tell you that <laughs> uh, I do know that song, but I first knew it from the William so Shatner cover. <laughs> I didn't hear the William Shatner cover for years. It was, And people were like... I was like, you know, oh, I was talking to someone about favorite songs ever. And I was like, Honestly, I was like, Pulp's Common People is like in my top 10 favorite songs of all time. And they were like, have you heard of the Shatner cover? And I was like, what are you talking about? And, I and then it up you and I had like, your mind destroyed. I love it. I love it. I love his cover because it's him having fun with it. And that yeah. song is not and meant to be taken too right, seriously. Right, right, right. Um, but yes, but they had a version of, they had a song they put forward for Tomorrow Never Dies called Tomorrow Never Lies. Mm. And I did not think it was good. So I've been intrigued too by looking through the list of songs when they're comfortable naming, when they're comfortable not titling the song after the movie and when they are. I don't know if that's an artist choice. I don't know the story there. Like you, the the first one is nobody does it better. Did I? Or no, Mm. we have. Wait, what is we have all the time in the world? We have all the time in the world is the end credits. That's also okay. It's a Louis. Well, it's not even the end credits. Maybe I think I think it might be in the middle of the song. (laughs) In the middle of a James Bond fight, you said (laughs) "Hashtag." It's like this is great. This is really sound. (laughs) 
Does Louis Armstrong? So if Chris Cornell sounds like he's taking a poop all the time, what does Louis Armstrong sound like? I'm gonna have to get back to you on that because I don't want to. I don't want to. Like it's too easy to punch. I think he's the. I love his voice. It's very fun. Um, it just is very unique. Uh, I was gonna say though, yeah. So uh, Diamonds Forever, Live and Let Die, and then you have Nobody Does It Better with Carly Simon, uh, which is I think the first that's like totally not named after the the film. And it's also let's just say right here. This is the first in a run of just bad themes. Yeah. Roger Moore. It's sleepy. It's like very sleepy. Roger Moore had a real, a real bad time with themes. And uh, it honestly makes me not want to revisit his films. Because so I I'm that way, but with with uh, what's the name Timothy Dalton's uh, mostly just because my memory of them are them being uh, overly dark and it's not the that proto fun. it's the proto Daniel Craig. But the Daniel Craig ones are so good. No, it's the it's the proto it's the prototype of the more realistic Daniel Craig one, the grittier Daniel Craig one. Um. And there's, you know, you get, what is this, All Time High, which I think is like uh, Octopussy. <laughs> so and then you start to get into A View to Kill, like Duran Duran. Th- and then that Aha was like, like finally, Dueling Daylights. And they're yeah. coming back around to naming the songs after the movie. And then the next one that's not named after the movie is You Know My Name by Chris Cornell. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, yeah. it's a weird sort of deal. Um, and especially because nobody does it better mentions the spy who loved me in it. <laughs> like there is a, the spy who loved me is a line in the lyrics, but it's not the title of the song. Um, but yeah, I, I have my, my bottom picks besides die another day. It is all <laughs> all time high. Nobody does it better for your eyes only Moonraker. Mm-hmm. It's the full, mm-hmm. like this is just Roger Moore's movies and they're not, not good. The Ugh. I like the, I think, some Roger Moore movies, but it is where they did lighten the mood a little bit, and then they lot. leaned way more heavily into gadgets. Um, I remember. I think it's uh, what's the second? Uh, I think it's a Spy Who Loved Me. The second Roger Moore. I think so. Spy Who Loved Me. I think it's the um, Man with the Golden Gun. Whatever the second Roger Moore one is, after Live and Let's Die, he wakes up and he's like in a snowy like cabin up <laughs> in a snowy area, and of course he wakes up uh, with a woman next to him, mm-hmm. and he has a watch on, and, you know, it's seventies, and the watch prints out tech, like prints it has a printer <laughs> in it, it prints out paper, it's like, and he's like looking at it, reading, he's like, oh okay, and then he like I don't know gets the message from his his prehistoric Apple watch and then um, <laughs> goes and escapes and they, he gets chased. And the, when the intro credits start, he it's him flying. Like you think he's going to die. He flies off the side of this oh, mountain on yeah, skis. Yeah, yeah. And then he pulls his British, his uh, uh, big union Jack <laughs> yes. parachute. The and the music, the-, the music kicks in and you're like, this is a slightly more ridiculous vibe yes. than yes. you know the Connery ones. That that reminded me of one of the other ones where one of the other skiing cold opens. It re, it made me realize how strange it was that Brian Wilson would put forth a song 
because then later the Beach Boys are attached to the absolute worst Bond moment ever, which is when California Girls starts playing when he is like his skis have broken and he's turned it into a surfboard of a certain type. Oh and he's my God. snowboarding down the music. I think he's, I, I think I blacked out. He, he converts his skis into a snowboard or something. And then yeah. California girls by the beach boys. I didn't even think, I think a cover of California girls by the beach boys starts playing. There's so much that just got so ridiculous. I mean, and there's a big reason why, so the Dalton ones weren't that successful is my understanding. And they took about, I think the longest break still in Bond history. Yeah. I think between, uh, between his and, and golden eye. Um, yeah. and yeah. So, cause when golden eye came out, I was a kid and yeah. I had never seen it. Like when the last Bond came out, I was three, I was not online right, yet. Right. And so I remember being like, what is this? And yeah. you know, kind of, you know, yeah. Yeah. And also, a little bit of trivia there uh, is that they asked Pierce Brosnan to fill the role for the Living Daylights. Oh, but he was in he was committed to Remington Steel. <laughs> so, because he was in a he was in a uh, sort of sultry drama uh, on television for I've only a heard of, of Remington Steel. I've never seen it. I'm just aware that it's it was a TV thing. show that Pierce yeah. Brosnan was in, but he, he had just committed to it. So he couldn't do, he couldn't be James Bond. Um, um yeah. Talk, all this talk now is making me want to, uh, obviously watch James rewatch James Bond, but, but, uh, analyze the credit sequences more, which is not something that I did get to do. I'm sure there's a YouTube playlist. I just didn't have the luxury yeah, of I meant, being I able meant to watch, watch the yeah. intros. Because, uh, you know, work. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should all sponsor some Patreon so that I don't have to work anymore and I can watch <laughs> James Bond intros. Yes. To for uh, sign up for our top tier of Patreon where uh, you get to tell me um, <laughs> how much longer I am going to keep Jesse from knowing we have a Patreon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't have like a ton more to say other than yeah. uh, I'm sad. The, uh, 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 what's his name? The Radiohead theme. Oh lost. yeah. It's writing on the wall. It, I think that's a damn shame. That is, that is a shame. I do think there's some, I was listening to that and I was like, you know what? I could understand that the Broccoli's could have heard this and been like, Phil, this is what weird. You, Phil, <laughs> what do you? So this is nice, but why are the drums doing that? Why are the drums doing that? This um, sounds kind of artsy. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm, also, I feel like mm. Sam Smith was. If you're he's a looking, very safe choice. He's a safe choice, and also like if you're looking at like who is charting at the time, mm -hmm. Sam Smith. Probably is more name recognition than Radiohead among the populace. Um, what was his big song that everyone covered? Take me to church. No, that's not him. Isn't it? That's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Take me to church <laughs> is like Imagine Dragons it's, or no, something. No, it's not. It's oh, take man. me to church. It's like okay, it is not. I wanted to say Halsey, but <laughs> okay. Take me to church song. 
Uh, it is Hosier. That's right. I have no idea who this is. I've just heard that take me to church like a million times in like a Walgreens. Stay with me. Like, okay. Yes. Stay with yes. me. Everybody covered Sam Stay Smith. with me. And like, yeah. especially on, um, there's a lot of Insta. I think TikTok wasn't really a thing yet, but uh, Instagram was just getting into the video thing. And I just remember a lot of people covering that on Instagram. Yeah. And also, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I'm trying Smith to think. I'm about to, to say, I'm about, I, know. I confuse <laughs> Sam Smith and Hosier. Uh, a lot. I actually. don't think I've ever heard of Hosier until now. I only know him from that church. From that, I thought song. it was Imagine Dragons, no. <laughs> which is one of my least favorite bands ever. Uh, Imagine sorry. Dragons. I know we talked. We talked about how like what uh, you how, like, but Imagine you know, Dragons sucks. Uh, we we talked about uh oh, there's no such thing as guilty pleasures, and that's fine. Uh, you shouldn't feel guilty, but uh, I am allowed <laughs> to say Imagine Dragons. <laughs> oh, yeah. What a band. Um, Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. I do have a little regret that I was not able to, that I didn't take the time to actually watch a YouTube playlist of all the credit sequences because sure. I feel like that context can help a theme. Mm -hmm. Uh when Spectre came out and the radio had released the track ahead of the movie, actually, that was kind of like a middle finger move. They released, they were like, hey, so we submitted a theme and they didn't take it. So here's ours. And that was before Sam Smith's was released. Because mm -hmm. I and, remember getting a notification from Spotify, yeah. a new radio, and I was like, what? Yeah. What, they're doing a theme? And it's like, no, they're not actually doing the theme. Right, right. They right. have a song. It's and like so, Jay-Z did American Gangster, the album, because <laughs> they rejected him for the movie. So, but yeah, so they, so every, a bunch of people heard that song. And then when they released, and I feel like they maybe kind of released the Sam Smith version earlier than they would have because for damage control. Um, but they released that and I listened to it. And I'm like, this is so dull. Like this is, it's very safe. It's so boring. But then when I saw the movie, the credits for that one are like, you know, kind of slow and creepy. And there's like these oily octopus tentacles that are sort of like going around everything. And I'm like, mm. okay, this makes, I enjoy it. That's good for this. Well, and it's, I do it's like good the alongside lyrical. This. I'm I'm a fan of the movie Spectre. I know some people are like it's overly long. I, it was I love it. I, I love, love it. Spectre. I love, so, thank you. The cold the open. Intro, the intro. The cold open <sighs> with the like 12 minute single shot. It's so good. Like I was, I remember seeing that in the theater with Lauren, and I was like sweating by the time the yeah. initial. And I was like, "Wait, we're just doing the intro?" And like, the, ah, like holy cow! And yeah, then like, yeah. Like I have all these nitpicks of them. Like, shut up, Spectre. Why is it his but brother? The, the writing shut on the up. wall. It's Christoph Waltz's Blofeld. It's what everyone wants. Spoiler uh, alert for <laughs> Spectre. Spoiler for Spectre. <laughs> you should see Spectre. But uh, I, I love Spectre. Yeah, I love, which, I love all the which, ones. Hold on, hold on. It's a, it's a soft reboot of On Her Majesty's Secret Service. <sighs> but it's not. No, it's, it, it's, it's a like soft a reboot. It's a soft reboot. It's just a retelling of uh, that kind of bro. story. He doesn't have no a wife in the beginning. <laughs> no, he didn't have a wife in the beginning of 
on His Majesty's Wait, Secret Service. Which one does he have a wife in the beginning of? He doesn't have a wife in the beginning. He has a wife at the end. Which one? On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And then she gets killed. Spoiler alert yeah. for Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Because that movie's the worst one. No. I've um, blocked it out from my Okay, brain. but no. But then No Time to Die is the sequel that they were going to make for Honor Majesty's Secret Service, but George Lazenby didn't come back. Mm, I didn't know that. It, it's, it's, so, it's a rework of the sequel they were going to make. I do love that the five... It's five, right? Five Daniel Craig's yes. are very interconnected, right? The it only is, time it is there's any, and they are very interconnected. The only, it's the only time there's any sort of connective tissue in the continuity of the films. Yeah. So much so, so much so that we have mentioned the wife that James Bond has <laughs> at the end of at the end of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. He gets married <sighs> and she is killed. Like yeah, leaving the sorry. ceremony. Spoiler. Spoiler alert for Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And this is why he's so hardened and, and callous the yes. rest of the films. Yes. Um, <laughs> in For Your Eyes Only, which was a, um, they filmed a new cold open mm-hmm. as, a, as a middle finger to um, the guy. So, one of the co-writers for Thunderball, I believe, uh, sued for the rights to Blofeld and Spectre, mm. which is why Blofeld and Spectre kind of go away in the James Bond mm. movies for a long while. They, when they reveal, I know it's a big controversy because when they finally reveal Blofeld, people were disappointed that he's kind of weak and not. I mean, that's. If you don't know what Blofeld looks like, he looks a lot like Dr. Evil from Austin Yes, Dr. Evil like, looks like Blofeld. He's based off of him. Yeah. And has a has a little white cat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I know there's some criticism of, like, this dorky guy is the, you know, big leader of whatever. Right. But so they he kind of goes away, but that's because of a legal issue. And uh. they another company made Never Say Never Again, which is the seventh Sean Connery movie, which came mm-hmm. out the same year as a Roger Moore film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they also, they even asked, uh, Sean Connery asked Roger Moore to do a cameo. <laughs> in, and it's a remake of uh, Thunderball. It's a remake of Thunderball, yeah. Which, what, like you already did Thunderball. But it's because that writer owned the rights to Thunderball. It's, so... The- I've still never seen Never Seen Ever Again, and when you buy the official like it's Bond's not great. Box, no, it's it doesn't it's come not with an it. Eon Productions. It's, like, it's not considered. It's a different. Canon. Yeah, it's a different company that did it. But um, yeah, so, I was just like, why would you remake Thunderball when you already right, made Thunderball right, and it was already right, good? Right. But so four years I four years I own for your eyes only. <laughs> oh my god, for your eyes on. God, I believe <laughs> in you. I believe in you. <laughs> So, for your eyes only, had a uh, like a seek, like a new cold open that they added mm. after they filmed the movie because of this lawsuit that awarded the other guy and not Eon Productions the rights to Spectre and Blofeld, and then also oddly allowed them to use the character James Bond as well. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's a weird thing. But so that movie opens up with blow with James Bond 
uh, killing Blofeld, basically. He dumps him into like a, a smokestack. But before that, he is visiting the grave mm-hmm. of his former wife. But it's I not it's not even the same name that um, she had in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, and I that don't remember is that. that is just how weak the continuity between the Bond films is. It's uh yeah, the, the, the five Daniel Craigs, and especially the end, I uh, love it. I know we're supposed to be talking about music. We're talking about the films again. They're all good. Uh, no, they're not. They're, they're not good, all good. Not. I, okay, so <laughs> there's also, yeah, you say what you're going to say about Daniel Craig. But just, just they're, they're, they're great. And, and I do think, you know, and I'm biased, right? I'm, of, I'm biased because of my age. I think Daniel Craig's had the best run of, of uh, themes. Um, I would but, probably agree with that. You know, he's got five g- g- really good to solidly okay. You know, that's the range. There's no, um, there's no makers in here. Yeah, there are no for your eyes only. There are no yeah. nobody does it better. There are no all time highs. Yeah, uh, but no, it's also the. <laughs> I will I will say there was something that they said in the How Did This Get Made podcast uh, when they were talking to the James Bonding guys. And that was that a James Bond movie is either, it's the most enjoyable if the movie is really good or really bad. If it is mediocre, mm-hmm. then it is not enjoyable at all. I do think that- but That's the, how I feel about the Timothy Dalton ones. Because they're not like I'm miserably bad. Re Revisit- Living Daylights. Okay. Living Daylights has gotten into my top five. Um, also, uh, it that rule does not work to me on Die Another Day. <laughs> that movie is just, just awful. I just mean, so I still I don't need to see it because the Madonna uh, song is. I already love it, and uh, and she has a I cameo, just, and it's real. And I can just <laughs> in my head remember the Die Another Day is a really good song. <laughs> and ignore the movie. <laughs> you should see All the right. movie. But yeah. We should move on to Bond picks. themes. I'm gonna I'm gonna write my own Bond theme one of these days. I believe in you. I started I started working on it while I was waiting for the Zoom call. <laughs> uh yeah. Um I yeah. delayed us today. Uh so what is your what is your what's your pick? My pick this week, um, I don't think that I have done it before. Uh, if I did too bad, you should still listen to it. Uh, it is an album called Twin Dream by a band called Glassing. Uh, they are a trio from Austin, Texas. And I have had the hell of a time trying to describe them, which is like hard because I write about music for a living. That's how I pay my bills <laughs> is by describing music. Um the, the the absolute worst but quickest way that I have described them is if Holy Fawn was metalcore, um, which also yeah, I would is, say they're like a heavier Holy Fawn. Yeah, like a side note here: if you haven't listened to Death Spells, the Holy by Fawn Holy is not Fawn, exactly popular. Right. If you haven't listened to Death Spells by Holy Fawn, that is my pick. If you have, <laughs> which you all should have had, uh, and then once you do, come back and listen to Glassing. Uh, Twin yeah. Dream. It is yeah. Which I I've gotten into this record because of you, and I'm like okay, okay. It is just <laughs> so good, and like I listen to a lot 
of like spacey experimental metal. And mm. there is not a bunch that makes me feel like this. Cause I feel like a lot of times like a band might mix like elements of post-rock and shoegaze and mm-hmm. black metal and doom metal. And like they kind of switch between them, mm-hmm. but glassing somehow feels like they are doing all of them at once. Like mm-hmm. they're not on any sort of like pole or binary. They are all just putting it in there like at the same time. So like even when they are very heavy, they are still very spacious and atmospheric and 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 beautiful. Like it is a I uh, it is an absolutely acerbic record. <laughs> like it is chaotic and uh harsh, but it is Gorgeous. It's definitely harsher than Holy Fawn. Right. But it is it is gorgeous. It is a gorgeous mm. record. And that it like and that the guy like screams through most of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um that is like mostly super f- feedbacky guitars. It is very good. I actually uh coincidentally first heard of this band when the lead singer of Holy Fawn was gushing about them. So that you know should tell you something um yeah i can vouch good album uh mine is some uh so my pick is uh oh boy i'm not gonna say any of this right cavell or <laughs> talk uh and their album is called mirror uh i heard about this band so oh. uh I, I work in tech and uh, one, which, and that has made me very cynical towards most tech um, journalists and people who just kind of gush about tech. And so one of my absolute <laughs> favorite journalists is a guy named Mike Isaac. He lives out here. He works in New York Times. If his name sounds all familiar, it's because he wrote the book Super Pumped, The Battle for Uber, which is now, uh, it was a acclaimed book. It's now a streaming series on Showtime starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I have somehow become, uh, I'll say, very lightly internet acquaintances with this this guy. We've we've met RL a couple times at just various whatevers. Yeah. Very kind guy. And he has, he has the correct attitude about tech, I think. And so he's, he's not a cynic. He's not a cynic, but he is definitely not one to be like, wow, the metaverse, gee willikers, <laughs> tell me more, you know. So I really like this guy and respect him. You might be like, why are you talking about this journalist? Well, because he has great taste in music. And so me and him often, like, he'll, if if he, again, mostly he's talking about, like, Elon Musk or whatever the hell he has to cover on Twitter because it's kind of his job to use Twitter. But yeah. then he'll, like, after hours post, hey, I'm really this album. And he posted a Caveller talk uh, mirror. And I was like, oh, this sounds... Norwegian or Swedish yeah. and Mike has great taste. Okay, cool. And I yeah. tapped it on my phone to like cue it up to uh, listen to it later. And I accidentally started playing it and I went to bed <laughs> and I'm laying there in the darkness. I'm just hearing like, ah, you know, and just like <laughs> black metal screams. I was like, like, but light, like very faint. I was like, what? And then I had accidentally played it. Anyways, the next day I woke up, played it, listened to it. It was great. Um, it is of a genre that they call black and roll. Yes. Uh, which, <laughs> 
It's exactly what it sounds like. It's like it's like I don't know. It's like of Andrew WK to black metal, like right. Like it is. It is party first, yeah, uh, and foremost. And the album is produced by Kurt Ballou from uh, uh, Converge, who uh, is a master at metal records. But the album art is this very stoic, romantic looking art that's done by the uh, guy from Baroness. Uh, which who does I, all yes, which I spotted right away. I was like, oh, yeah, which is beautiful. That's him. The irony is if you look at Baroness's artwork and this guy's artwork, the difference is, is they both have topless ladies and, uh, you know, <laughs> and animals, animals and whatever. This one is a bird shitting, a couple birds shitting on like either a woman or a woman statue. I can't tell. It's <laughs> clearly meant to be tongue in cheek and almost disrespectful to the kind of pretentiousness that, 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 can come from metal. Um, and the fact that the, the, the guy from Baroness, whose name I'm blanking on, did this artwork. Just John is, something. Is yeah. John Blake uh, something. Just look, this thing is not in English. It doesn't matter. Put it on, turn it up. You're going to have a ball, um, especially if you're driving fast. Uh, <laughs> uh, I got my wife into it recently. She's been loving it. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to say it one more time. Cavell or talk, and the album's called Mirror. I'll put it in the show notes. There's I there's no way I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm <laughs> obsessed with that record right now. Yeah, the the Nords like their uh, weird consonantal clusters. Yeah, I mean some of the songs on this record have symbols that I don't know how to make with my keyboard. <laughs> so <laughs> like, they have the little circles over the A, and I'm just like, sure. Yeah, it's like that Cigarros album. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I just don't talk about that one. I just say. It's the one with the naked people on it. Um, you know, that's a good record, though. It's it's a great record. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that has been wonderful. It's visiting. been good. I and might go watch a James Bond movie. There you now. go. And uh, Michelle just forwarded me our plane tickets to San Francisco in a few weeks. So sweet live episode. It's official. Woo! Um. Yeah. Yeah. Matt's coming to visit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll talk about that more, but I'm just, now I'm struggling with the, we've, we've been out here for nine years <laughs> and we've had so many people visit. And so we've done the like rounds of like, we don't go see a lot of stuff unless people visit because, cause you, cause we live here. Right. right. You know, it's like who, like people in New York city, you don't go to the statue of Liberty. And so I'm sort of like, how, what are the things that we can all do together that we're not sick of, but also like, you know, or touristy or new or original enough for you guys. Yeah, well, uh, but we'll, we'll Michelle, figure. Michelle mentioned the, uh, the golden gate bridge and the full house house. You so. will definitely see, but we live next door. <laughs> we used to live next door to the full house. house. Whoa. Uh, cool. three doors down, three doors down. Uh, tour let's bus do stops a, by let's there. Let's do a very three doors noisy. down deep dive next week. <laughs> no, <laughs> Uh, one of the only one of the the only band that would perform at Trump's inauguration, man. Get, get that get that bag, get that bread. Whatever they could say. All That's right. what they get for trying to add to the Superman canon. Who are you to? Who are you to add to the canon of Cal L? Let's do an episode where we talk about songs about Superman. We can talk about that five for fighting. <laughs> All three of them. All three songs yeah, about it like three it's Superman by Goldfinger, Superman by Fight for Fighting, <laughs> Kryptonite by Three Doors Down. That's all. Oh my of them. God. 
All right, I'm hanging up. Now, <laughs> see you. We talk to you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Deep Food Radio. This podcast is hosted and produced by Jesse Atkinson and Matt Fitzgerald, who apologize for their rambling, but they also won't adjust their behavior, so their apology should be taken with a grain of salt. If, for whatever reason, you want more, you can follow at Deep Radio Pod on all socials and visit Deep Someone, please. Sponsor us.